tell you what Christmas is all about? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Happy birthday! One thing about trains, it doesn't matter where they're going. What matters is deciding to get on. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we are going to be starting a brand new series this December entitled Christmas at the Movies. How many of you guys love Christmas movies? Christmas specials. Um, in fact, I think we had a board meeting the other night. We tried to all get out of here so we could go home and watch Rudolph. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, so we love Christmas um, movies. You know, I think last year we, uh, we did Christmas songs, and so now we're kind of on to Christmas movies. But uh, there's a, a lot of little moments in Christmas movies that, that help reinforce uh, biblical truth. And um, we're starting off with one of those good old Christmas uh, movies, I guess, um, Christmas Vacation right? How many of you guys have ever seen Christmas Vacation? Yeah, right? And now how many of you guys are like, oh, how are you going to pull anything religious out of that movie, <laughs> right? Anything spiritual out of there? You know, uh, Christmas Vacation um, is a holiday classic. Clark uh, Griswold, played by Chevy Chase, you know, is the main character there. And, uh, and Clark is, uh, he has grand visions of the perfect Christmas, <laughs> Grand visions of what he wants and what he expects. And then the whole premise of the movie is that he has such a high ideal and a high bar and dreams and aspirations of the perfect Christmas. But then reality sets in and reality is far off from his expectations, right? It's from cats chewing through, you know, Christmas lights to squirrels running, you know, down the, the dinner table to... Uh, yeah, Uncle Eddie, I was going to say, unwanted house guests draining the RV down into the city sewers, you know, uh, all sorts of hijinks and madness. And there is a moment in there where everything is just held south, uh, it's, it's just headed south, and it's, it's all falling apart, but Clark refuses to give up, and, and he's at his breaking point where he, he goes a little bit mad, and so I just wanted to share a little bit, a uh, little clip here, and then we'll dive into um, our message today. So, if we have that. Beautiful. Good God. Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown, four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Clark. It's over. Not according to Santa's watch, it isn't. Now, come on, son. Stay out of this, Dad. Clark, I think it's best if everyone just goes home before things get worse. Worse? How could they get any worse? Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, how many of you guys have been there before? 
<laughs> right? Uh, worse, how could they get any worse? Um, and unfortunately, we had to cut, but that's the part where Eddie, Uncle Eddie leaves for the, you know, the, I'm ruining the plot for someone, right? I don't want to ruin the plot for anybody, but it does get worse. But the point is, is that, that uh, Clark there, he chooses to put away and to put aside everything that has squandered his dreams, he, everything that has been tough and rough, and he chooses to persevere and press on despite all of the hardship. And, and I guess, you know, this Christmas season, as we look at the Christmas story, you know, we have kind of sanitized what we think as the Christmas story. We see, you know, there's the manger, and the manger is perfect, and there's baby Jesus, and, and baby Jesus is silent. He's not crying. He's there, and he's resting peaceful, and they're in a stable with all these animals, but it doesn't stink. There's no odor, you know, and we kind of like sanitize it, and have this ideal vision of what the first Christmas was like. It's, but uh, in reality, the first Christmas was anything but that. The first Christmas was complicated, and it was complicated for uh, Mary and for Joseph, two teenagers who fell in love, and right from the very start, life would uh, show its ugly head and present them some real difficult challenges, even from the start. But how many of you know that if you can just persevere through life's hardships, then you will get to see God's promises. You will get to see God's blessings on the back end. See, some of God's promises only come through perseverance. So today I want to begin our series and look at a very young, engaged couple, Mary and Joseph. And I want to look at a story that almost wasn't. They had to learn to persevere through their problems. But because they did, it led them to God's promises. So today, if you're taking notes, I want to look at three milestones in the relationship that will encourage us to persevere through life's trials. And the first milestone that I want to focus on today in the relationship of Joseph and Mary is the revelation of reality. The revelation of reality. I want to start reading Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And I want to stop here and pause to kind of set the scene. And our text tells us here, it uses this word pledged. What does that mean, pledged to be married? Does that mean like uh, a promise ring that we give our girlfriend in junior high that we're, we're promised? Is that like uh, the, the first girl that I was engaged to before Jane, right, when I was in kindergarten, right? What? Yep, yeah, and then I stood her up on the playground. That's a whole different story. I was only six, honey. I didn't know any better. So she forgives me. Woo. But is it like that? Well, some translations, if you're reading from a different translation, it will use other words other than pledge. Some of them use a more common word called engaged. So most of us are very familiar with engaged. Uh, the, New King the New King James Version probably uses the, a word that's uh, 
most original to the meeting. And the New King James Version uses the word betrothed. So it says uh, they were betrothed. This was the beginning of an engagement process. And, and if you were betrothed, it was a legally binding agreement. So it was not um, easily broken. You could not get out of that very easily. Now, a betrothal was usually between a young male, age 18 to 22, somewhere in that range, um, with a female, usually in that 12 to 14 age range. And so the female was a few years younger. Uh, now, that seems awful young to get married, 12 to 14. So a betrothal was not, um, not a quick engagement. A betrothal was a time period that extended several months, maybe even into the years. And that allowed the female to become a little bit older and a little bit more of age. But it, and more importantly, allowed the male to enter into the workforce and to establish a career so that he could then provide for his future family. And so a betrothal was like this. Um, it, was a, it was a little bit more than an engagement, but it had specific purposes to plan for your future. Now, if you can remember back to maybe your teenage years, you know, being a teenager in love, and maybe you were engaged, maybe it was your 20s or maybe later, um, it doesn't matter, but maybe you were in that time period where you were falling in love and engaged, and and you had that fantasized storybook, you know, idea of what marriage was going to be like. Have you have you guys ever experienced that? Of course, I think we all have, right? This is the fabric that all early relationships are knit together with. They're knit together with these fantastic ideas of what life is going to be like together. And, and we have high aspirations and high hopes and high dreams. Um, even, uh, uh, you know, our, our fiancé might, might be a toad, but all we see is Prince Charming. You know, it's one of those things where we just look at life and life is so much better. I think one person said we look at life through rose-colored lenses, you know, where the air is cleaner and the grass is greener and the birds are chirping louder and everything is great because we're in love and it, it doesn't matter that we only have $2 in the checking account because our love will get us through. You know, it's this romanticized idea of what love is and relationships are and I think we all start there. We all start out um, in that period. But then there is this revelation of discovery. And this is the moment where we wake up into reality. Where life is not quite like the fairy tale story that we envisioned. Verse 18 tells us that before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So in this betrothal period, Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant. This is not something that an engaged person wants to hear. No doubt when she told Joseph about her pregnancy that she included the phrase, it's from God, it's through the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, 
hearing that shocking news for the first time must have said, well, that's a new one. I have never heard that before. Right? I know where babies come from. And I'm pretty sure it's not like that. See, in all relationships, we have awakening moments where we realize it's not quite as fantasized as what maybe we thought it would be. There's a reality that sets in. See, when you are dating and you're... Uh, when, when you're dating uh, or you're in that engaged period, you discover everything that you love about that person. And then when you're married, you discover everything that you hate about that person. Right? It's just reality. Right? So, I love everything about this woman. Just for the record. For the record. Right? I, I mean, when we got married, be, just be honest, you found out how much of a slob I am. Right? You're like, here's the clothes basket. Why aren't the dirty clothes in the clothes basket? Why are they on the floor over here? I don't know. So, uh, so James Dobson, famous Christian psychiatrist, he said this. He gave a good recipe for marriage. He said, it's best when you're engaged and you're going into marriage to have your eyes wide open. And then once you get married, it's best to keep them half shut. And I thought, well, that's pretty good advice, right? That's really good advice. So that's where they're at. They're at this, this, this discovery period where, hey, everything is not how we envisioned it. Everything is not how we pictured it. And um, unfortunately, that leads to the reality of shattered dreams, we come to this idea that, that, hey, it's not going to be how we pictured it. Reality sets in. For Mary, Mary was like most woman, women, and she probably had that epiphany that, hey, my wedding ceremony is not going to be how I imagined it. I'm not going to be the skinny bride walking down the aisle and everything's going to be perfect. For Joseph, he probably came to this realization that the honeymoon is not going to be how I expected it. Right? It's going to be different. And so they had to work towards, um, while they're working towards their perfect relationship, reality slaps them across the face and wakes them up. As it does with everybody. Right? We all deal with that. Mary is pregnant. Joseph is not the father. And for a time, this was a difficulty. This was a hardship in their relationship where all of their plans and their hopes and their dreams are now changed and they're derailed. So it was a time of shattered dreams. And maybe you've been there in life, maybe not to that extent, but maybe you're at that, you, were at, you were at that point or maybe you are at that point where you realize, hey, this is not ideal. This is not perfect. This is not how I envisioned it. This is not how it's working. And, and we get to that point of devastation where we realize, hey, it may never be what we envisioned it. That's when we wrestle with the fact of who we really are. Well, who am I in this 
relationship? Who am I in this hardship? The reality of all relationships and all people have to face is not who you pretend to be and not who all your friends think you are or not who you aspire to be, but who you really are. And the Bible tells us in verse 19 that Joseph came to grips with who he was. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And in verse 19 gives us clues to who Joseph was. He was faithful to the law. He was righteous and a devout person. He followed the Jewish customs. And because he was righteous to the law and he, he knew the law, he knew according to Deuteronomy chapter 22, if uh, your spouse commits adultery, then you can, um, it's punishable by being stoned to death. And so he knew that was the law. That was the nuclear option. But he also, because he knew the law so well, he knew there was another way. In Deuteronomy 24, he, he understands the law that he can just give his wife a bill of divorce and to do it kind of quietly. And I guess when you and I have moments of discovery in our life and in our relationships, and whether it's, it's marriage, whether it's with our kids, whether it's at work, when we have moments of discovery that shatter us and rock us to the core, we have some choices to make. And we have options. We, can, we, have, we have nuclear options. You know, we could be like Miley Cyrus and come in like a wrecking ball. Right? Some of us do that. I'm not going to name names, right? Some of us are like Carrie Underwood where you... What? You carve your name into, yeah, into the leather seats. What is it? I don't even know the lyrics. Some of us know people like that. Some of us have watched people like that on Facebook. Or Snapchat or Twitter or whatever you guys have now. Be real. That's the new one. Be real. Don't even, that's so fake. Don't even get me started on be real. It's not real, folks. Uh, so we can deal with situations in a nuclear way. We're hurt. We don't understand. And we can come in like a wrecking ball and make situations worse. Or we can deal with them a little bit more privately, which is what Joseph intends to do. Because he's a righteous man, he knows the law, he knows that there's a quiet way to deal with this. And so he has in his, in his mind to divorce her quietly. Let's save her disgrace. And this leads me to a second milestone that we all have to deal with, decisions that define. See, inevitably, your decisions that you uh, make in one season of your life weigh greatly on the next season of your life. What you decide now drastically affects your future. And oftentimes our goals are to make good decisions. Joseph here is making a, what he deems as a good decision, 
according to everything that I know and everything that I am. And I'm weighing out my options and I have the option to stone her. But I also have this option to put her away quietly and divorce her. So, so he probably makes the pros and cons and says, which, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this conflict? How do I deal with this situation? And he makes the best possible decision based on his own rationale. <clears throat> but we're not after good decisions. We're after godly decisions. And so there's a difference between good and godly. And Joseph, in our text, is settling for good. Now, now during this scenario played out in Matthew chapter 1, Mary already has a comfort about the situation. Because, according to Luke chapter 129, Mary had an encounter with God, an angel... It says, Mary was greatly troubled. <clears throat> okay, so she heard the word, she heard the vision, she was greatly troubled that she was going to be pregnant. Devastated. However, this spiritual encounter with the angel changes all of that. <clears throat> Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. So I want you to know that Mary is comforted when she's telling Joseph this because she already viewed this through the lens of God. She already knows God is in this. Joseph is struggling with all of this because he has not processed it through God. He's processed it through what he knows. And he feels betrayed. He feels hurt. He feels anger. He feels hopeless. That is until he has his own encounter with the Lord. And that changes everything. How many of you guys know that persevering through life, uh, especially as a couple, it's easier when both of you have spiritual encounters with God? It's easier when God is speaking to both of you. So Joseph in verse 20 has this spiritual encounter. And this is where he trades good for godly. He has in mind to divorce, divorce her quietly. But in verse 20, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to, make Mary, to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this is the encounter, I'm sorry, in this encounter, the angel outlines a few things for Joseph. One, do not be afraid. Don't let fear be the factor in your decision. How many times do we allow fear to play a role in our decision-making process? And when we deal with life's realities and life's hardships, fear plays a factor and fear gets in there somewhere and we're worried about this or worried about that or we're stressed out about that. The very first thing the angel tells Joseph, do not be afraid. 
See, fear always focuses on our worst-case scenarios. But faith always focuses on best-case scenarios. The second factor the angel said is that what is happening here is from the Holy Spirit. So you have to ask yourself, is God in this? Is what's happening, is God in the middle? You might see your situation as not ideal. You might see your situation as difficult. You might see your problems as as being uh, harder than you can bear. But you have to ask yourself, is God in the middle of it? And then lastly, the angel tells Joseph where it's heading. What is the end game? The end game is Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So there's a promise that's on the back end. If you can just endure, if you can just make it. And it's the decisions that we make in the middle of our lives that are oh so important. They determine our destinations. See, he could honor his religion and he could honor his peers, he could honor his family name, and he can divorce Mary quietly. Or he can honor God and follow through with the plan. And he chooses in that moment to follow God. And that decision changed the trajectory of his entire life. It's the power of decision. Decisions always define who we are. See, if we could just learn to, in the middle of our hardships, in the middle of our difficulties, stop going through our minds, stop going through our rationale, stop going through what seems good to us, and focus on what God wants. Instead of putting together a list of do's and don'ts or pros or cons, put together a prayer list and get on your knees. God, what are you saying in this? Proverbs 3.5 gives us wise instructions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. What wise advice to live your life by. To trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Get past the way you see it. And, and ask God. And it leads us to a third milestone today. That there are promises that can only be achieved through perseverance. Promises that come through perseverance. See, if you fast forward to the end of the Christmas story, you guys know it because there's a beautiful manger scene there. And, and there's a birth that's taking place. And baby Jesus is in the manger And he's there and Joseph is there and Mary is there. And wise men come bearing gifts and there's shepherds that show up. But the story doesn't stop there for Mary and Joseph. We know according to Mark chapter 6 verse 3, we get introduced to the rest of the family. It says... Uh, Some of the Nazarene people are talking and they're looking at Jesus. Nazareth was his hometown. And they ask, isn't this the carpenter? Talking about Jesus. Isn't this Mary's son? 
the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And aren't his sisters here with us? So we understand that there is a big, beautiful family there. There's, a, there's James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. There's at least four brothers. And then um, we don't have the girls' names, but it says, and aren't those his sisters? Meaning plural, we know there's at least two sisters that are there. So it's a big, beautiful family that, that Jesus is a part of, that Mary and Joseph have on the back end of it. But it almost wasn't. It almost wasn't. Joseph and Mary had to persevere through their difficulty. Well, how did they persevere? Let me give you a couple of really quick tips from uh, Matthew one twenty four on how to persevere through your, through your difficulties. Uh, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So how did they persevere? How did Joseph persevere through this difficulty, through this hardship? Um, and if you're, if you're here today and you're struggling, maybe in your relationship with your spouse, maybe you're in a point with your, um, your children, maybe you're at a place in your career, how do we persevere through life's hardships? Let me give you three things real quick. Number one, he yielded. Joseph yielded. He did, our text tells us, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Now this is significant because just a couple of verses before what? He had in mind to do it his way. And we like doing it our way. Right? We love Frank Sinatra. Wasn't it Frank that said that? I'll do it my way. Right? That's a little before my time, but I think I got it. Right? We love doing it our way. But Joseph yielded and said, you know what? I'm going to try it God's way, not my way. This is the point of persevering. This is how we persevere through life struggles. When we learn, not my way, but your way, God. See, many men would have walked away from Mary at that time. They would have walked away from the Lord at that time. But not Joseph. Joseph chose to put himself on hold so that God's plan could become more in his life. Okay, not just, number one, he yielded. But after you yield to God's plan, number two, you have to commit. You have to be fully committed to it. If you're not fully committed to it, it won't work. Relationships are never 50-50. They're always two people giving 100%. Amen. amen. From the married people, they all say amen because they know that's true. Right? You have to commit. Verse 25 tells us he did not consummate their marriage. So even when he took Mary home, he refrained himself from physical contact with her. So he obeyed what the Lord had to protect her virginity until after Jesus was born. So here's a man that's willing to put his own wants and needs on hold for the sake of his wife and the sake of the situation. He's committed to it. He wants nothing more than to honor God 
not just by what he thinks and says, but also what he does. He's committed through his actions. And then lastly, the third thing that we need to do is after we've yielded to God and after we've committed, we need to make it a goal to see it to completion. See it through till the end. Because there is an end game in all of this. And uh, there in the manger, Mary gives birth to Jesus. Okay, uh, Mary does all the hard work there. I'm winking to all the guys out there. Wink, wink. Right, we've all had kids. Mary did all the hard work, but it was Joseph that brought that process to completion. Our text tells us that, um, that he was the one that gave him the name Jesus. And he brought everything that the angel told him to do to completion. He was the one that named Jesus. And so those are the, that's the recipe for persevering through your hardships, through life. And, um, and, and I just want to take a moment now. If you would bow your heads today, and, and I don't have a piano player today. That's okay. We're going to do it without music. But I just feel like need, like real quick, if you are in this place and maybe you're here today and you're going through a difficulty, you're going through a hardship in a relationship. Maybe it's your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've been in this place where, you know, you've gotten a little taste of reality and your relationship with the Lord has been strained and, and, and maybe, maybe you haven't fully committed. Maybe you haven't fully yielded. Maybe you haven't thought about the end game. Maybe you are like Joseph and you're processing things through the ways that you see them. And maybe you haven't fully surrendered your life unto the Lord. You know, you can do that right now. You can do that right now in this place. You can just simply pray and ask God, you know, God, would you come in? Would you restore me? Would you make me right with you? It just takes a simple prayer. Maybe you're in a relationship where you've experienced some of that friction and some of the realities of life and some of the hardships. And you're in that, you're in that, that season of unknown where shattered dreams are taking place. And you realize that it's not going to be the same moving forward as what you expected. You know what? This is the point where you need to hear from God. You need to say, God, I need to hear your voice. I need to hear what you're saying. What is your will in this process? Maybe you're here today and you're like that. Maybe all of those are, maybe it's a, a relationship with a, a child that's strained. You say, God, it's been strained and there's been friction and there's all these things. Lord, help me to yield and commit, but Lord, help me to see it through to the end. Help me to not give up. Maybe it's an external. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you and your spouse are sitting down and, and you're wondering, how are we going to make Christmas work? How are we going to do it all? Maybe that's a time where we yield to God and we say, God, work in this situation and commit yourselves to it. Now, Lord, in this place, God, I know that you're touching our hearts and God, you're dealing with each and every single one of us. So God, in this place, Lord, 
Lord, I don't know situations and I don't know hearts, but God, let us fully recommit to you. God, let us yield to you. Let us be like Joseph who, who puts self on hold and say, God, it's not my will, it's your will. God, what do you have in and through this? God, help us to have the strength to commit and the, to follow through and to put our words into actions so, Lord, that we can see it through to the end. Because, Lord, we know that the decisions that we make now, Lord, will bring blessings in our next season. Now, Lord, I pray for each and every single person in this room who's making a commitment to you right now. God, would you touch their heart and would you solidify it by your spirit? And I pray that in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's all we have for you guys today. You know, go out understanding that the decisions we make today, they last a lifetime. God bless you guys. Go in the grace of God. Hey, we invite you back for uh, next week is Ugly Sweater Day and then the launch of our Christmas season. So God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day.